Oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming back. You already know that I'm Dee Dee West, and this is Broken Limelight. And here we are for Brittany Murphy Part 2. If you haven't listened to Part 1 yet, you're gonna need to go back and listen to that real quick. Now, assuming that you've heard that whole story, let's talk about the theories of what killed Brittany Murphy and Simon Monjack. I mean, unless, of course, you believe that they really did get pneumonia and die at just 32 and 40 years old, and somehow Sharon outlived them, even though she's way older and had cancer twice. Mm-hmm. So, here are the theories. The biggest theories are, number one, Simon and Brittany were addicted to drugs, and when they caught pneumonia, their bodies were too weak to survive it. Number two. The house was covered in toxic mold, killing both Brittany and Simon. And number three, Brittany and Simon were poisoned to death. So let's talk about the theory of Brittany's drug use and where it came from. Now, a lot of people claim that Brittany never touched a drug in her life. This includes Simon and Sharon. The two of them claimed that Brittany had a heart murmur so she could never even touch a drug or she would die in an instant. However, a lot of other people, like people who worked with her on films, said that she had a widely known problem. Everybody knew that she took, like, a cocktail of prescription drugs every day. One source had said that around the time Brittany was working on Clueless, she had gotten into a car accident, and she was prescribed some pretty powerful pain medication. Apparently, it was, like, a really bad accident where she had, like, broken her jaw and cracked ribs and stuff. So, it's possible that, I mean, maybe if she did have a heart condition, it was discussed with her doctors before she was given pain medication. And maybe from then going forward, Brittany just thought she knew exactly what she could take and how much she could take. In February 2010, it was reported that Brittany Murphy had obtained a prescription for hydrocodone or Vicodin. The pill bottle started with 120 pills, and only 11 pills were left. If Brittany had taken the maximum prescribed amount, there should have been about 44 pills left. Simon then shot back, saying that those pills actually were prescribed to Sharon. But then also, like, right after that report was released, Simon was like, Oh, we just suddenly found those 73 pills that were missing. Brittany, Simon, and Sharon all used a pharmacy in L.A. called Eddie's Pharmacy, and they all used fake names for these prescriptions. Simon said this was just to protect their privacy, but some people believe that they were doctor shopping, which is basically going to multiple doctors and using multiple names so they could fill multiple prescriptions illegally. Pharmacy records show that Brittany had prescriptions for Vicodin, Clonazepam, Klonopin, and Vicoprofen. One month, Brittany was prescribed 200 hydrocodone and 100 clonazepam, and another month it was 300 vicoprofen and 100 clonopin. So she switched it up a lot. Eddie's pharmacy allegedly cut Brittany off just four months before her death. She had been getting anywhere from 200 to 400 pills per month, and they were worried that there was going to be an accident. Simon denies this and says that they were the ones who cut ties with the pharmacy. When Brittany was working on 8 Mile, she had a short relationship with Eminem. A friend of Eminem's who goes by J.R. Watkins and wrote the book Cleaning Out My Closet 
says that she's actually seen Brittany Murphy smoke a joint right in front of her. And Eminem allegedly told her that Brittany took a daily cocktail of prescription drugs, including Xanax, Vicuprofen, and Valium. The weed's not really a big deal, obviously. I think it just kind of brings into question whether or not it was true about her heart condition. Let's talk about the mold theory now. Brittany, Simon, and Sharon lived in this gigantic house in Hollywood Hills, and it was completely cluttered. If you look at pictures and videos of that tour that Simon gave of the home, you can see it. It was an 8,000 square foot home. It's amazing how cluttered it was when you consider how freaking big it is. So people started to say that Brittany had a big hoarding problem. The house was reportedly covered in mountains of clothes and magazines with pages ripped out and there was makeup and perfume all over the counters. The nightstands were covered with prescription medications and unfinished water bottles. There were racks and racks and racks of designer clothes. The bathroom had like so many products just covering the counters and all over the edge of the bathtub. So. We know for the fact that the house was kind of messy and cluttered, but what's unclear is if it really had mold. The house was known to have water damage, and it was also at the bottom of a bunch of hills, so it's not unlikely that there could be mold. But I couldn't really confirm it. So one source I read said that the home had mold problems for years. Another report said that the house was tested for mold just two months before Brittany died, and no trace of mold was found. From what I can see, the first person to say there was mold is Linda Monjack. Linda Monjack, again, is Simon's mother. She allegedly saw black mold in Brittany and Simon's bedroom. But another report said that Simon told Linda that he found mold. Interestingly, though, Linda's final word on the matter is that she believes Simon and Brittany were poisoned, so, so far, Sharon's the one pushing the mold theory. And really, she didn't start pushing that theory until the media started pushing it. Sharon had sued the builders of the house for the water damage stuff, but apparently she didn't know that after this lawsuit, she couldn't sue them for wrongful death in the case of mold. So she sued her lawyers, now claiming that toxic mold killed Brittany. What's weird is, the assistant chief coroner, Ed Winter, requested an inspection of the home from the L.A. Department of Health, and Sharon did not allow it. But Sharon says that's not true and claims that they never asked her if they could investigate the home. Also, I just want to mention, Britney Spears owned this home before Britney Murphy, so originally Madonna had the house built, and she sold it to Britney Spears, and Britney Spears sold it to Britney Murphy. Some theorize that the toxic mold may have actually caused Britney Spears to have a psychotic episode, leading her to shave her head in 2007. Now, I'm not saying I believe that theory. I will talk about Britney Spears on another day. But it's worth mentioning that people believe that that house has a dark past and may have had mold for a long time. Finally, let's get to the poison theory. This one comes from Brittany's father, Angelo Bertolotti. Not only does he believe that Brittany and Simon were poisoned, he believes that Sharon should be investigated. Sharon, for some reason, did not list Angelo on the death certificate and instead wrote Father Unknown. And she started telling reporters that he wasn't Brittany's father or that Brittany had no father. 
but Angelo is listed as the father on the birth certificate, so after some work, he was able to prove his paternity and have the death certificate amended. Then he went after the LAPD and the coroner's office to investigate further. Unfortunately, they had made up their minds and closed the case, so he took matters into his own hands. In January 2012, Angelo filed a lawsuit against LAPD and LA coroner's office. He wanted them to do additional toxicology testing on Brittany's hair. They reached a settlement and Angelo agreed to drop the lawsuit, and in exchange they agreed to ship the hair sample directly to an independent lab for testing. The toxicology test was done by Carlson Company in Colorado, which apparently is one of the companies that the DEA used for testing, and the results showed the presence of 10 heavy metals in her hair, including barium and sulfur, which can be found in pesticides and rat poison. The report concluded, If we were to eliminate the possibility of a simultaneous accidental heavy metals exposure to sample donor, then the only logical explanation would be an exposure to the metals administered by a third-party perpetrator with likely criminal intent. Some people, like Ed Winters, argue that things like hair dye can affect these kinds of results, but I don't know if hair dye typically leaves traces of metals like barium and sulfur. And furthermore, when Ed Winter was approached afterwards and told about the metals, he was like, yeah, they should investigate that. A pathologist on the team that analyzed Brittany's hair named Dr. Cyril Wecht discredited Dr. Winter's findings and stated that the high levels of metals found in Brittany's hair makes her death extremely suspicious. A possible explanation is that sometimes drug dealers will dilute drugs like heroin and cocaine with things like rat poison, which can give hallucinatory effects, and bring in new clientele to dealers. This would be possible if Brittany and Simon were cocaine or heroin users, but as far as anyone knows, it seems they were not. In cases of chronic poisoning, the victim can experience weakness, muscle aches, chills, fatigue, confusion, awkwardness of the limbs that will make you walk funny, hand tremors, tightness or burning of the chest with or without respiratory distress, and sometimes fever. There's a movie that Brittany was in that came out after she died. It's called Something Wicked. I haven't seen it yet, but supposedly you can see her kind of walking funny. And this is one of the things that people around her looked at her and were starting to get worried. In larger doses, it can cause seizures that often lead to death within a few hours. Victims of poison are often misdiagnosed as natural deaths, which means statistically there are a lot of homicides that go undiscovered. Sharon denied the findings of Angelo's lab analysis and insisted that mold was the cause of death. So he had a second analysis done by a second lab called Exova, which is described as one of the leading providers of testing, calibration, and advisory services. These results reconfirmed the findings of the first test. When asked about the mold theory, Angelo said, Out of three people living together in the same house, only one survives and benefits financially. There are unanswered questions that have to be addressed. Angelo died in January 2019 following a long battle with his health. Sharon is still kicking, and she's the only surviving member of her family. After Angelo spoke out about the poisoning theory and his lab results, Linda Monjack started to consider that possibility, too. She really couldn't believe that Simon and Brittany died of the exact same thing and so suddenly. 
She said she couldn't get any answers from the LA coroners and they only wanted to do the most basic tests. She said that she used $30,000 from Simon's life insurance to pay a New York attorney to look into it, but apparently the attorney told her that he couldn't practice in California and she never saw the money again. But there's one more theory, and this one might be the one that Linda Monjack is leaning towards. There is a conspiracy theory that Brittany Murphy was killed by the government. There's a lady named Julia Davis who was a federal officer with the Department of Homeland Security. She discovered a security breach and sued the United States government. And she said that Brittany was listed as a witness on her behalf. Julia and her husband BJ made a documentary about this and Angela was interviewed on it. However, it seems she might have used Angelo's words out of context, and now he wants nothing to do with her. He doesn't want to be associated with her in any way, and he basically says that she's a huge, huge liar. There's also no evidence that Julia Davis ever met Brittany Murphy, and Julia has a big track record for being a liar as well. Okay, so is that everything? I think that's everything. Oh my gosh, you guys, I just told you so much. If you're still with me, Way to go. This case is fucking bonkers. I'm not even sure what to believe, but I have to say that for me, I'm leaning towards Angelo's theory. Oh shit, we're not done yet. We have to talk about the possible motive for Sharon. Because Angelo thinks that Sharon should be investigated. So, it was found that Simon had drained Brittany's cash reserves by 80% before he died. See, Brittany insured herself to provide for her mother in the event of her untimely death. When Sharon started going through Brittany's financials after Brittany died, she saw all the money that Simon was spending. And now, he's not using Brittany's money now, it's Sharon's money now. I thought about this, and like, it's hard to say bad things about the mother of a dead girl, especially if she's not guilty of anything. But there's just... A few things about Sharon that don't add up. Like the fact that Sharon was the one that found both Brittany and Simon dead, and she delayed calling 911 in both cases. It's also super weird how close she was with Simon, especially if she really was sleeping in his bed. If you watch her in interviews, she also kind of looks dazed, like she might be on something, just like Brittany and Simon were said to have been. Which makes me wonder if maybe the three of them were abusing drugs together. That's not all that far-fetched when you recall that Sharon tagged along with them to parties, so if Simon and Brittany really were abusing prescription medications, maybe Sharon was tagging along and doing it with them too. In Brittany's last interviews, she revealed that she was going to start trying to have a baby, and there was talk of her and Simon moving to New York to start a family of their own. People have theorized that Sharon was jealous about being left out and therefore being unable to continue living her lavish lifestyle. Not only that, but she seemed to be really codependent on them and she would have been left all alone. Okay, okay, okay. I think I told you everything there is to know about Brittany Murphy now. You know that gif? Do you say gif or jif? I'm gonna say gif. That gif of Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's standing with his whiteboard that's covered in all his scramblings and he's just looking like a madman, that's literally how I felt researching this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Broken Limelight. It was a lot more than I expected. If you're interested in looking at some of the photos that I mentioned, they're actually up on BrokenLimelight.com now. 
Just go to the Brittany Murphy episode and you can see pictures like the ones from the shoot that Simon and Sharon did together after Brittany died, and also the crappy makeup job that Simon gave Brittany. If you enjoy Broken Limelight, be sure to tell your friends to tune in. I appreciate your support so, so much. Until next time, bye! Today's episode is brought to you by Hunt a Killer. Hunt a Killer is a monthly mystery subscription box that's truly one of a kind. It's basically like a crime case in a box. It comes with case files, codes to decipher, detailed backgrounds about the suspects and the victims. There's evidence for you to evaluate. It tells an immersive story of a whole crime case from beginning to end. It's kind of like an escape room in a box. You can do this by yourself, or you can team up with a buddy, or do it for like a game night or even a date night. You can take a little break from technology and immerse yourself fully into this box, or if you prefer to be more of a high-tech investigator, you can join online communities and talk to other Hunt a Killer players about clues and stuff. Hunt a Killer also shares part of its proceeds with the Cold Case Foundation, which helps with real-life cold cases. The best part is that Broken Limelight listeners get 20% off of their first subscription box. So get started now at huntakiller.com and be sure to use code BROKENLIMELIGHT to get your 20% off.